Well, we are studying the book of Daniel, and in our text today, God pulls back the curtain that separates the physical reality from the spiritual reality, and He lets Daniel, and through Daniel, He lets us see that there is a spiritual war raging, and there are unseen evil forces seeking to harm the people of God and thwart the purposes of God in this world. And God gives Daniel a glimpse of that reality so that Daniel is encouraged to pray, he's encouraged to witness, and he's encouraged to remain faithful to God uh, even when it seems like the forces of evil are uh, winning. So let's uh, turn in our Bibles, if you would, to Daniel chapter 10. Now, Daniel is 12 week, uh, chapters long, and today we're in chapter 10. Then that means that we're actually uh, mostly through Daniel. But if you have missed some of the sermons, you can catch up online, clearwater.church. You can uh, l- listen to the sermons. You can also download the Clearwater Church app and uh, take the sermons with you on the go. I don't know about you, but I have found Daniel to be very provocative spiritually. What a powerful uh, book of the Bible. And Daniel, what an amazing guy. Well, in this uh, the second half of Daniel, chapter 7 to 12, Daniel receives a number of visions from God that pertain to what's to come. And God deemed it important that His people would have a sense of what's coming so that we could live today in light of the future. And we need to know that in the end, God wins, and the people of God are vindicated. And that gives us the courage to stand faithful now when things can get pretty rough for the people of God. So here we are in Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar, And the word was true, and it was a great conflict, or other translations, about a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. And actually, chapter 10 is kind of just a preamble to the vision. The vision is recorded in chapters 11 and 12. Uh, So 10, 11, and 12 are all about one big vision. We're given the the timestamp. We're, we're told when this vision came, and, and that's, I think, important. It came in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. In the first year of Cyrus, Cyrus decreed the Jews may return to Jerusalem, and in fact, I encourage them to build the temple. And he actually contributed to the rebuilding of the temple financially. And about 50,000 Jews returned under the leadership of Zerubbabel, and they began to rebuild the walls, but the locals... The non-Jews living in the land, uh, when the exiles re- the retur- returned, they began to resist uh, the effort to rebuild Jerusalem. And it was a, a, a mighty and significant resistance. And the people almost gave up, but then uh, Nehemiah came and, and championed the rebuilding of the walls and led that effort, and they succeeded. But they actually dropped the rebuilding of the temple. They gave up. It just was too hard. And uh, historians tell us that in the third year of Cyrus, he actually went off on some expedition and he left his son Cambius in charge of Babylon and Cambius said, stop the work on the temple in Jerusalem. Well, 
Daniel, who is in Babylon at this time. Now, some people are like, hey, why didn't Daniel, you know, if Daniel's all spiritual, why didn't he go back to, to Jerusalem? Well, he's 85 years old, and uh, maybe he's a little too tired for that. Or it could be that he was just so integral to the administration in Babylon that they didn't want to let him go. We, we don't really know. But we know that he had a heart for Jerusalem. He had a heart for the people of God, uh, even living there. And so Daniel is aware that the situation in Jerusalem is not going well, that things are a lot harder for the returnees than he expected. I mean, everybody was waiting for the seven years of, of God's discipline and judgment on the people was, gonna, was, you know, at an end. They get to go back, and there was just wonderful high hopes for the people of God now, but things were a lot harder than anticipated. And so we read this in, in verse 2, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning... For three weeks I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, oh, now he gets into the vision. So he's in mourning. Now, why is Daniel mourning? He's mourning because he's hearing about how hard it is for the returnees. Things are not going well. And, and he then begins to partial fast. It's not a full fast. Uh, he partial fasts, he begins to pray, he's humbling himself before the Lord, and, he's in, and we learn later that he's seeking understanding. He's kind of like, God, why? What's going on? This doesn't make sense. Why are things, you know, why, why are things progressing so slowly? So it's, he's three weeks into this time of humbling and fasting when this vision comes. By the way, do you, you know, I, I, I hear uh, Daniel's heart for the people of God, and, and I'm challenged by that. I don't know about you, but I have to ask myself, do I, do I care for about God's people and the plight of God's people, places that I'm not, you know? Uh, I, I, I subscribe to this periodical called The Voice of the Martyrs. And so uh, regularly I get these publications talking about the persecuted church around the world. And the reason I do that is I, I want to be made aware of what's happening. I want it to stir me to pray and to care and to give. But the fact of the matter is I'm often kind of calloused. I'm often so consumed with my own problems that it's hard for me to care about what's going on with the people of God around the world. But look at Daniel. You know, Daniel is, is so concerned with what's happening hundreds and hundreds of miles away that he fasts and prays for three weeks. So on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, so he's in Babylon, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude." It's, he's referred to as a man, but we're not talking here about a human. We're talking about a heavenly being. So uh, this, is, this is the vision of an angel. An angel has come from heaven to visit Daniel. Now, some actually have wondered if this is a pre-incarnate revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, because uh, this is the most grand, this is the grandest 
description of an angel anywhere in the Bible, and it actually matches some of the, it's, it sounds similar to some descriptions of the risen Lord Jesus in the book of Revelation. But a little bit later, this angel tells Daniel, uh, it took me three weeks to get to you, and I needed the help of Michael the archangel to break through the demonic forces withholding me, and it's hard to believe that the son of the living God needed the help of an angel, right? So I believe, you know, this is, this is an angel, an, an, uh, an impressive angel for sure, but an angel. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. So that's interesting. Um, the, the people who were with Daniel didn't see the angel. So God gave Daniel special spiritual eyesight. <laughs> opened his eyes to see a spiritual reality that's normally hidden from us. And those with him didn't see that, but they did sense something uh, powerful, and they, they were a great trembling. So they were terrified, right? And they actually ran away. <laughs> they, they were so scared, they just took off and left Daniel to himself. Now, there are many people who say, if I don't see with my own eyes, I won't believe. If I can't examine it empirically and decide for myself whether it's true or false, I won't believe it. And they therefore cut themselves off from a whole body of truth that is available to us because God has revealed it to us. Jesus, when he was here, and I'm paraphrasing, Jesus basically said, I, can't, I came from heaven and I can reveal to you truths about God and about heaven and about things to come if you'll listen to me. Uh, but people say, no. I refuse to believe anything that I can't myself examine and decide is right or wrong. And they do that to the damage of their own souls. Because how then can you get your sins forgiven? How then can you be reconciled with God? How can you get to heaven, not hell? And, and a lot of people just say, they bear their heads in the sand and they say no. But God will still judge us uh, for our ignorance because he has revealed himself to us, uh, and we therefore stand accountable to him. So Daniel gets this vision of, of the angel. Verse 9, Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. So, just hearing the angels kind of knocks him down, puts him into a trance, I think. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And so there's this, you know, kind of a get getting Daniel back up on his feet so he can pay attention. But I want, I want you to underline, O oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Would you like God to say that to you? O oh, man, greatly loved. O oh, woman, greatly loved. Now, uh, other than 
the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the highest praise given to a human in the Bible. Now, about Jesus, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's the highest praise anyone gets. Daniel's number two. Now, Moses is, is said to have been a friend of God after he died. Mary, the mother of Jesus, the angel tells her, you're highly favored. But Daniel, twice this angel says, it's also in, in uh, verse 18, and O oh, man greatly loved. God, God knew Daniel, cared about Daniel, valued Daniel, loved Daniel. Daniel. God held Daniel in high esteem. And why? Bottom line, it's because Daniel held God in high esteem. I mean, what we've seen about Daniel from the beginning of the book, as a young man having, being hauled away to Babylon... He and his friends uh, d decided in their hearts, we will not be defiled. We're going to remain uh, faithful to God. We're going to conduct our lives in such a way that God is pleased with us. We're going to, you know, we're going to be good, good Jewish, uh, good Jews, or today, we, you know, good Christians. And God, and they were faithful to God to the point, remember Daniel and his friends were willing to lay their very lives down rather than disobey God, rather than um, give in to the forces of evil. So Daniel was willing to be thrown to the lions. And God saw that and held Daniel in high esteem, loved Daniel. Now, and so I do, I do think, you know, the New Testament tells us, hey, you can live your Christian life in such a way that it brings down the discipline of God. He loves you, but he will discipline you because he's trying to break you out of your pattern of sin. And frankly, discipline can be hard while you're in it. So we can live a life that, that brings down the discipline of God, or we can humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God and experience his favor. And that is true. At the same time, the Bible is very clear that the Christian is loved by God. In fact, uh, here are a couple verses in Romans chapter 1, verse 7. Uh, Paul writes this to the Romans, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. The Christian is loved by God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So, you are beloved by God if you are a Christian. And why is that? How can God love me when my, you know, conduct is not as, as exemplary as Daniel's? Well, because you're united with Christ by faith, and the righteousness of Christ has been credited to your account. Your sins have been taken away as far as the east is from the west, remembered no more. The righteousness of Christ is yours, and so you in Christ are beloved by God. And, and that's, in, that's important to know and believe about yourself. So what is your self-identity? This, this made an unbelievable dif difference in my Christian life uh, as a young man when I grabbed hold of this truth that God's um, attitude toward me didn't fluctuate based on my performance but it was, it was grounded in, in Christ and His performance, which was perfect. And, and when I understood that even though I might sin today, I can still, I still have access to the Father 
because of Christ, it, it was revolutionary for me. And so, you might, that might be what you need to hear today, that you are greatly loved by God in Jesus Christ. He accepts you. He loves you. He hears your prayers. He cares about your plight. Daniel greatly loved, O oh man, greatly loved. Understand the words I speak to you. Stand upright. Okay. When he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Verse 12. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. On day one, when you first started fasting and praying, when you humbled yourself before God and began to ask for understanding, God dispatched me from heaven to come speak to you. Why in the world did it take the angel three weeks to get there? Heaven's far away. No, that's not why. He actually tells us why, and it's quite shocking. Here's why. Verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. Wow. So this angel says, on the first day that you began to fast and pray, I was dispatched by God from heaven to come talk to you. But I was withheld. Uh, I was held up for 21 days by the king of Persia. And we're not talking here about a person. We're talking here about uh, a fallen angel. So uh, one of the uh, demonic forces, Satan and his demons, they were once angels, right? So there, there is a, and apparently there is this a fallen angel, there is a demon who is uh, over Persia and working through the kingdom of Persia to thwart the purposes of God and harm the people of God. And that, the, the prince of Persia did not want the angel to come and give Daniel the word of encouragement. And so, fights against him. And in fact, it took Michael... And we know a little bit more about Michael because he's talked about a few times in the Bible, but it took Michael the archangel to come along and help so that this angel could break through and actually get there. Um, Michael is referred to at the end of the chapter. Uh, this angel says, Michael, your prince, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. So the ark, uh, and then in, um, in Jude 9... Jude only has one chapter. Jude, verse 9, the, he's referred to as the archangel. And then in, I believe it's Revelation 12, 17, I think, um, it, um, Michael and his angels fight against the dragon. So he seems to be kind of a, a commander of, of God's, some of God's armies. So he comes and helps. So here's the bottom line. By the way, chapter, Daniel chapter 10 is uh, absolutely significant in forming Old Testament understanding of spiritual warfare. But this is what the angel's saying. Hey, by, you know, God dispatched me to you. I encountered uh, demonic resistance. It took me 21 days to break through that. And I required the help of Michael, the archangel. But here I am. 
And now I'm here ready to give you the vision. Uh, this, is, this is amazing worldview stuff for us because it clearly says that there are unseen spiritual forces seeking to harm the people of God and thwart the people of God. There is a spiritual war going on and you and I don't see it because it's, the, it's in the spiritual realm and we see the physical realm unless God gives us uh, spiritual eyes to see like he did Daniel, which was um, very unique. Now some people, as they always do, they take a kernel of, of, of biblical truth and then they go to these extremes. And so some Christians go so far as to try to map out the spiritual hierarchies over the city so they can pray against them and break them down and win the spiritual battle. I think that's, I think that's uh, going way too far. But there's clearly a spiritual principle here, right? That there are unseen spiritual forces at work uh, seeking to harm the people of God, thwart the people of God, and that apparently they will, they often seek to influence, control uh, human powers so that they can work through human powers. So maybe even through governments, like apparently through, the, through Persia. Um, at the beginning of chapter 11, the angel says, hey, on the first year of, of Darius, so it was the same year that Cyrus said the Jews may return, I was basically... Uh, um, upholding Darius so that Darius would do the right thing. Um, all right, we'll talk a little bit more about the implications of that in a little bit. Verse 15, when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips it becomes ambiguous whether that's the angel touching him or another angel. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, and I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Um, this chapter makes quite a bit of the fact that uh, this vision... Uh, and spiritual encounter with the spiritual realm exhausts Daniel. It saps his physical strength. Um, he is left, you know, on the ground, trembling, totally exhausted. He says he's out of breath. How can I even talk to you? But God has a plan uh, uh, for Daniel. God has something He wants Daniel to do, which is get the vision so that you can pass it off to my people. And so God is going to strengthen Daniel. And he always, always will give us the strength we need to do what he's called us to do. He won't necessarily give you the strength to do what you want to do, <laughs> right? Or what I want to do. He's not all that interested in helping us um, build our kingdoms or accomplish our goals. But boy, if he's got something he wants us to do, he will give us the strength necessary. And so that's what we see here in verse 18. The angel strengthens Daniel. 18, again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. <sighs> Do you need to be touched by God today? Do you need to be strengthened? 
I've been feeling that. I think Sabrina and I have been feeling that lately. We're, we're tapped out. I turned 51 today, by the way. Happy birthday to me. Come on, ready? Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, dear Michael. Happy birthday to me. Woo, thank you. Oh, yeah. And many more. Thank you. Yep, yep. It wouldn't be finished if we didn't have my dad's version. Come on, Dad. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Birthday to you. Yeah. Okay, I just wasted some sermon space. Sorry. So God, through the angel, touches Daniel, encourages Daniel. And look how, listen how he encourages him. Oh, man, greatly loved. God loves you, Daniel. Fear not. Daniel, don't be afraid. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Right? You've got God on your side. And he's all-powerful. He's sovereign. Fear not. Peace be with you. I love that scripture. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Be strong and of good courage. Right? Live out of the truth that God loves you and he's with you and he'll help you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That should be the attitude of the Christian. That's our confidence, right? But boy, we look at life with, and we ask the question, do I have what it takes to win? And the answer is no, you don't, if you're, if you're being realistic. But does God have the strength to win through me? Yes. Amen. Verse 20, then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And the answer has already been given to us, right? Verse 14, I came to make you understand what's to happen to your people in the latter days. In other words, what's to happen to the Jews? For the vision is for days yet to come. So the reason I've come to you, Daniel, is so that you can know what's coming. And what we're going to see in chapter 11 and 12 is, is it's What's coming is a whole lot of hard times for the people of God. It's going to be, it's going to get bad. It's going to get so bad that, that the people of God are going to be worn out and want to throw in the towel and are going to think uh, it's all is lost. But it's only for a time. Eventually, God will uh, crush evil and take it out of our existence and, and God will win, and the people of God uh, will be vindicated. And we need to know that. We need to know how it's all going to wind up so that we don't cave in the hard times, in the intervening times. And caving can mean uh, saying, you know what? I'm just going to pursue the pleasures of this world because I'm not sure... Uh, uh, whether the pr pleasures promised me by God are going to come to pass. There are, there are so many ways that we can give in and give up. But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. And we'll learn a little bit more about that. But, you know, first it's the Persians who are, you know, have control over the people of God. Then it becomes the Greece, Greeks. But I'll tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side except against these, except Michael, your prince. So I think what he's saying is, um, all right, 
<laughs> this spiritual battle is raging. It's not over. I've come to deliver this vision to you. I'm going to go back to the fight. And in fact, the only one who's you know, with me fighting a, a, uh, on your behalf is Michael. So, you know, it's going to be nip and tuck here. And it's going to, the battle goes on. It's not over yet. Well, let me wrap up with four takeaways from, from this text. Number one, unseen spiritual forces are at work in our world. Clear teaching of the Bible. Ephesians chapter uh, 6, verse 12. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, things present in this world. Um, so, you know, in, in history I studied... Uh, I'm sorry, in college I studied history, and I was limited. You can only explain uh, history using naturalistic causes, right? That's it. You can't appeal to any uh, supernatural. But, but I know that God sometimes interacts in the world, therefore I felt like I was being doomed to write bad history. But actually, other than the Bible... We don't really know what God's doing, and it's, it's speculative. But He is at work. He is at work, and there are spiritual forces at, at work. So why are, are some people uh, addicted to drugs and, you know, living like homeless on our property in Spinard? It's not just because of the, of the things that we can see and the cause and effects that our politicians are wrestling with. There are spiritual forces at work that are trying to uh, harm souls and keep people from living as, uh, the life that God created them to live. Trying to, trying to, listen, Satan and his demons love for people to live less than their uh, potential because we're creating the image of God. We're glorious. And we can do amazingly important, significant things in this world. And Satan doesn't want that. And so he'll do anything and everything he can to, to mar the image of God, hit, hurt the image of God. And, and addiction is part of that. Sin is all part of that. Why is it that you and I sometimes, even though we know that's wrong in the eyes of God, and sometimes we do it? It's because in that moment, uh, we have, the, you know, Satan has tempted us, he's baited us, he's lied to us and convinced us that in that moment we're better off doing our own thing than God's thing. So there is a spiritual battle being waged for uh, the souls, our own and uh, those of our neighbors. Number two, God fights for us and will strengthen us. This is, you know, so encouraging. So encouraging. Yes, there's a spiritual battle, but God's on our side, and God is uh, will give us the strength that we need to do what He's called us to do. He'll give us the strength we need to be faithful. You know, this week I was thinking about that wonderful truth that for every temptation He has provided a way of escape. That's God fighting for us. You know, every temptation. There is no temptation that has come on you except what is normal, right? Humans experience temptations of all sorts. You're not alone in this. And for every temptation, God has provided a way of escape. There's an off-ramp. God builds an off-ramp. 
And you can take it if you want. God does fight for us. And that's wonderful. Otherwise, we would be completely overwhelmed. And the fact is, victory is sure. Number three, our job is to live by faith, pray continually, and tell the world about Jesus. I find it super significant that the angel didn't say, Daniel, I'm in a, I'm in a battle and I need you to come help me. He doesn't try to enlist Daniel. He just says, you know, let me explain how it, why it took me so long. I'm going back to fight. You know, Michael and I are going to go back and fight this spiritual battle. He doesn't tell Daniel, join me in the spiritual battle. What the Bible says that we are to do, what is our job? Yes, there's this spiritual battle for our soul and the souls of others. Here's what the Bible tells us to do. Bottom line, live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the Word of God, right? In the reality that God has um, revealed to us. Live by faith. Pray continually. Um, when Daniel... It's, isn't it interesting that, that the angel says... I have come to you uh, because of your words. In other words, the, the clear implication is that angel wouldn't have been dispatched from heaven to Daniel if he hadn't have prayed. When we pray, we are uh, somehow connected to the spiritual struggle, and, and we ask God to work on our behalf, to fight on our behalf. So live by faith, pray continually, and tell the world about Jesus. That's our role. So let me read to you Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 12, really quickly. Actually, I'm going to read this little section here. Because this is the, the most extensive teaching in the New Testament about spiritual warfare, is what we read. Starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace." In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, I mean, this is, this is like you're being attacked by the evil one. He's trying to knock you down spiritually. Stand by having faith in what God has taught you, or uh, promised you. And then 18, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And so there's evangelism. So, what does this mean for your child? What does this mean for your classmate? What does this mean for your coworker? And you know what it means is uh, if you're find, if you find yourself being persecuted for being a Christian, they're not your foe. <laughs> you're you're not wrestling with them, right? Right now, their eyes haven't been opened. 
to the gospel. But what you can do is you can go to God and you say, God, please, I intercede on behalf of my neighbor who is quite irritating. But Lord, you can open their eyes. You can help them see the truth. You can soften their hearts, show them their sin, help them to see that Jesus can save them. Give them a new life. I want them to be in heaven with me. There is a spiritual battle being waged for the souls of men and women and our own. And, and you know, uh, there are times when, when you are, well, put it this way. If you find yourself not wanting to do what you know is the will of God, or if you find yourself uh, feeling like I don't have the strength to do what I know God wants me to do, then you go to God and you ask Him. You might very well be uh, being targeted. But you don't, have the, you don't have the resources to take care of yourself. Uh, you don't fight the battle. You go to God who has all, all, all strength and you say, help me, God. Help me. Okay? There we go. Oh, did I forget my last one? Oh, yes, the last is, I love this one. Um, the victory of God and his people is the punchline of history. Oh, I love this. And that comes from verse 22 where he says, I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. <laughs> in other words, you know, God is so, so sovereign. He's so in charge of history. He, he can write down what's coming and it will for sure come. And, and the punchline of history that we learn in chapters 11 and 12 is that God will be victorious. His people will be vindicated. And so we are on the winning side. So don't give Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We just, there's so much of true significance that we would not know except that you have revealed it to us because it's, it's unknowable spiritual truth. And Lord, thank you for caring enough about us that you have revealed yourself. You've, and ultimately, you've told us how to deal with sin and how to be reconciled to you so that we can go to heaven and, and be with you forever. And we pray this uh, in Jesus' name. Amen.